0: Lord, we are thankful to be here this morning to celebrate the empty tomb. Celebrate your resurrection. In this world of chaos and craziness, we walk in faith, not fear. Lord, we pray right now that we would keep our eyes, heart, mind, and soul focused on you. For anybody out there hurting physically, Lord, you're a big God. Anybody struggling with the virus, I pray your hand of health is upon them. Each breath given by you. Lord, for anybody walking in sorrow right now. Through the loss of a loved one, I pray that God of comfort is with them. I pray you're providing the finances for those that are struggling. I pray you're providing the peace for those that are walking in worry. Lord, let us walk in faith, not fear and victory, Lord, because of the empty tomb. And we're here this morning to celebrate this, Lord. Thank you for this. In your name. Amen. Well, I'm glad you could join us this morning. A big thank you uh, to the Hopes family for leading us in worship this morning. That was a wonderful blessing to see. Absolutely love it. Uh, Fallon, I did not know you played bass. That was pretty cool to see. And uh, Josh, it was pretty cool to see the Shekinah glory behind your head there. It looked like you were glowing through most of it. Um, and the only thing I'll say about with, with Sean, I noticed through the first couple songs with Sean, they always had the podium, the music stand strategically placed in front of Sean. So I don't know if Sean's really playing guitar or not for those first few songs. We'll see. But thank you for everybody has been doing that. You know, every service, there's a different family here from the worship team providing some worship. And uh, it's such a blessing. I look forward to coming out to seeing who it's going to be and what they do. And just, but it's all for God's glory. And for us to be able to come together as the body of Christ and just to celebrate God's glory, that's that's what we want to do here. Hey, I want to let everybody know there is a prayer call going on today at 3 o'clock. The information should be at the Facebook page there. We've been doing these for the last few weeks. Lynette Taylor leads them up. What a wonderful blessing it is. Uh, big thank you to Lynette for being willing to do that. It's a chance for the body of Christ to come together. As we've been saying, I think every service, we may have to isolate physically, but we don't have to isolate spiritually. I know for a lot of the men's groups we're doing either a phone call study or we're doing the Zoom app study. If you want to get involved in one of those men's studies, contact me and I'll get you the information. I do know that there's a lady study, I believe, doing the Zoom app as well. If you want to get involved with that, you can contact Betsy. She'll point you in the right direction. If you have any needs let us know. We'd love to get stuff over to you to help you out. As we've been saying all along, we want to be prayerful, we want to be practical, but we also want to be purposeful in this. And we want to be purposely representing Jesus in this time for those that are hurting. If you want a devotional, if you need a Bible, if you want one of our daily breads, if you want CDs sent to somebody, just contact us and we will get that out to them. We really want to represent Jesus. There's been so much fruit in this season that's absolutely amazing and we're just so thankful to be a part of this. God is good and faithful and sovereign in all things We're trusting that. We're trusting this right now. And I just want to encourage you. The verse that we've been clinging to a lot is the idea of redeeming the time. We have more time now at home. We probably have more time than we've had in a long time. Things are canceled. Our calendar is not controlling our lives anymore. Use this time wisely for God's glory in the word and in prayer and encouragement for others. What a blessed time this can be. There's a lot of people hurting. But what a blessed time this could be. So we do weep with those who weep but we also do rejoice with those who rejoice at the same time. Let this season be a season for God's glory. Alrighty, we are going to be starting out in Matthew 27. We're going to kind of be all over the place here this morning, but we're going to start out in Matthew 27. I'm going to go turn my little heater on and uh, get the lights on as well too. Was last Sunday we were mentioning the, um, how cold it was in the church there. So I mentioned in the message to David Perry, and he did text me and explain to me why it is cold in the church. I also forgot to mention this last week, I think it was last Sunday too, that Marv put the picture up of Elizabeth at home. You know, uh, watching the message there with her Bible, and while they're putting the picture up, I went up along the side there of the stage, and because obviously it's big out here at church, and she has a lot of notes in her Bible. And so, Elizabeth, God bless you for being a woman of the Word, Judy. Let me stress, Judy has raised you well. So, Matthew, Matthew here, twenty-seven. Now, I, I normally don't do names for the messages. You know, the way we teach out here is verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of the Bible. So it's really nice, you know, we're done with Psalm 22, we'll go into Psalm 23. We're done with Romans 6, we go into Romans 7. That's the way we've always kind of done it. But when we stop what we're normally doing, and we're stopping our study in Psalms this morning to kind of do a special message here about Resurrection Sunday. There was a title that kind of came up in my mind here. And it is the idea from Gethsemane to Glory. Because that's what we're going to do. I I want to just take you on a biblical tour reminding you of the last few days of Jesus, how it starts out in Gethsemane, and it goes all the way to glory. And what there is on this little tour, there's just five different little stops that we can all read about. That he's going to go to Gethsemane, then he's going to go to Gabbatha, then he's going to go to Golgotha, then he's going to go to the grave in the garden, and then he's going to go to glory. He's going to start out in Gethsemane, go to Gabbatha, go to Golgotha, to the grave in the garden, and go to glory. And I just want to talk about these different passages here. Spending most of the time on the subject of him going to glory. Because a lot of this stuff we've covered, if you weren't with us, I encourage you to go back and uh, watch or listen to on CD or the podcast. Our Wednesday, excellent Wednesday, we've talked about the importance of Christ's death on the cross. Now we need to talk about the resurrection that changed the entire world. I, I say out here, I think every resurrection Sunday, anybody can die on the cross for the sins of the world. I could die on the cross for the sins of the world. Just that sacrifice won't be accepted. You know, my body would be put in the tomb and my body would stay in the tomb. The tomb being empty shows that Jesus' death was accepted as payment for sin. That's why it's so vitally important that the tomb is empty. So we we'll us start here with the idea of Gethsemane. And talk about what we're talking about, what Gethsemane is. And we're going to be in Matthew 26 to start this out. Matthew 26. Gethsemane means oil press. It's mentioned in Matthew's account, and it's mentioned in Mark's account in the Gospels. Here, what we think is this, that oils were crushed. Excuse me, the olives were crushed for their oils. So that's why it was called oil press, Gethsemane. And what was happening in in the Gethsemane Garden was this. Jesus was crushed for us. Take a look here at Matthew 26. Start in verse 36 with me. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even to death, stay here and watch with me. He's crushed. He's crushed. Just as Gethsemane, where olives were crushed for their oil, Jesus was crushed for us. Look at that wording. And and I'm not an expert on Greek, and I don't even claim to be. I only can tell you what I read and study. And what I read and study is this, in verse 37. Began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Verse 38, exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Those are such strong words in the Greek of, of what he was going through, the crushing that was happening to him at Gethsemane, this place of crushing... We get a little bit more detail in Hebrews chapter 5. We mentioned this on Wednesday. Hebrews 5, 7 says this. In the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. So Jesus crying out, it says, with the vehement cries and tears. Once again, that sorrow. Christ is crying out at this time, in this time of crushing. We can never grasp the depth of his crushing. The sorrow that he was going through over our sin. You know, a lot of times we talk about Christ on the cross and the blood that he shed. But we forget this. Christ first bled in the garden. Luke's account tells us this. That his sweat became like blood in Luke 22. His bleeding started before the cross. His suffering started before the cross. He was bleeding and suffering and prayer and agony for us at Gethsemane. He was crushed here, which started the process from Gethsemane to glory. Now, where do we go next? Can you go with me now to John 19? John 19. From Gethsemane, now we go to Gabbatha. John 19. Let's start in verse 13. When Pilate therefore heard the saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. From Gethsemane, not to Gabbatha. It means elevated pavement. It was a place where the judges sat and judged. Here we have a sinless man being judged by a sinful world. I want you to just think that through for a second. A sinless man Being judged by a sinful world. How crazy is that? That Jesus who knew no sin, did no sin, is now being judged by sinful people. But this is part of the payment of our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ that knew no sin became sin for you and me. That we might become the righteousness of God. Remember, righteousness of God is just a fancy word that means to be made right. Let me make this abundantly clear. Anybody watching, anybody listening, myself included here, we're all sinners. We have all done things wrong. We all have. Somehow, some way, that sin has to be paid for. It just has to be. And you can't do good enough. I can't do good enough. No one can do enough good to earn that and this is part of the problem you see in so many other religions in the world is this concept of that they're going to build their idea off of I'm going to do more good than bad and that's going to earn me some type of eternal reward but the problem is I can never do more good than bad I can never my thoughts are evil my actions are evil I am just evil I just am I need to have somebody who is sinless Make me right. And that's what Jesus did. He became righteousness for me. Meaning he made me right. First Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins. The just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh. But made alive by the spirit. Christ suffered for me. The just for the unjust. The perfect for the imperfect. That he might bring us to God. See he brings me to God. And what I see here at Gabbatha, at the judgment seat, I see God saying, I will take this judgment on me to pay for it. Rewind just a little bit in John 19. starting verse 8. It says, therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid. and He went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Verse 10 right there. power. You've heard me joke about this before. If the person in leadership has to constantly remind everybody they have the power, then they probably don't have as much power as they think. Verse 10, Pilate, do you not know I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Look at the response of Christ in 11. Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered to me you has the greater sin. Christ is exactly where he's supposed to be. Please remember in Revelation 13, Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It was not that God created Adam and Eve, then all of a sudden Adam and Eve sinned and God said, oh boy what are we going to do now? What's plan B? He knew. So before the world was even formed and created, this plan was put into process. That's a deep deep thought to chew on. This was planned, this was prepared, this is ordained by God. Christ here to take your sin and my sin. Planned, prepared, ordained by God before the foundation of the world. This is exactly what it's supposed to be happening. And Gabbatha, the judgment seat, is where Christ was supposed to be. We go from Gethsemane to Gabbatha, now to Golgotha. Golgotha is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, John's account. It means place of the skull. Why is it called Place of the Skull? We don't know for sure. Maybe because that's where people were put to death. So therefore, skulls. Maybe it was a hill that looked like a skull. We really don't know 100% for sure. This is where we get the word Calvary from, though. Because Calvary in Latin is skull. So if you've ever wondered where the word Calvary comes from, it comes from this. But it's called Golgotha. in Matthew, Mark, and John, it's called Calvary in the book of Luke. Very simply put, at Golgotha, at Calvary, He died. And it's just that simple and straightforward. Christ died. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, If I deliver to you first off all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Romans 6.10 makes it very blunt. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Christ died. That is an amazing concept to think about. That God took the form of a man, came down, and died. But he had to become man to pay for man's sin. You know, if you've ever traveled to a different country, you have to exchange your currency. Christ had to be man to pay for man's sin. That's the fairness and justness of God. Why couldn't God just pretend that sin didn't exist? Because then he wouldn't be God. Because part of God's character trait is he's fair and just. Sin must be dealt with. Sin must be punished. Okay. Sinless man can't pay for my own sin. There has to be a sinless man. And that's Christ. Since there couldn't be a sinless man, God had to become man and he had to die. Because the punishment of sins is death. And we covered that on Wednesday. But he died. At Golgotha, he died. The place of the skull, Calvary, he died. Someone died so you can live. Now, I don't know about you. There's a pride in most people. There's a pride in me. It's hard for me to accept when somebody does something for me. Because now I feel like I owe them. And in my pride, I would rather have them not do something for me. Because therefore, I don't have to feel like I owe them anything. Christ dying for me is the greatest example of someone doing something for me that I could ever imagine. Nothing can top that. Nothing. I've done sin, he's done wrong, no wrong, and he died for me. While I was a sinner, I think of Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. That's why it's a gift, expecting nothing in return. Because the whole deal would have been, if he would have said, hey, I'll give you eternal life if you do this, well, then, then it's not a gift. He gave me the gift, the grace of eternal life. And for that to have to happen, he had to die. So we've gone from Gethsemane, where he was crushed and pressed, to Gabatha to where he was judged, to Golgotha, to where he died. But now we go to the grave in the garden. John 19, please. Let's go to verse 40. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in stripes, strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden, a new tomb. Which no one had yet been laid. From Gethsemane to Gabbatha to Golgotha to the grave in the garden. I call it Silent Saturday yesterday. There's really nothing to say. Christ is in the tomb. The disciples are crushed. His followers are crushed. Think of the description here when we talk about the grave. When we talk about Christ's death, they were weeping, they were sorrowful, there was sadness, there was confusion. You know, for as much as Christ did, for as much as he told them, no one showed up on Sunday morning to celebrate. You know, I was up this morning, and I looked at what time sunrise was going to be. And so, I was reading the... um, just the different accounts in the Gospels here of sunrise, since we didn't have a sunrise service this morning. And it was just at the time when sun was coming up, I was just thinking, okay, Lord, this is what they were going through. And it just amazes me as I go back and read the the accounts of, of Resurrection Sunday morning. There is, once again, weeping, sorrow, sadness, confusion. This is not a celebration. At that moment, there was complete, utter confusion and sorrow and sadness. And it just reminds me of, this is what Christ went through. On Wednesday, we talked about Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? The sorrow and sadness that Christ went through on the cross where he felt forsaken. What about the other Psalms? Psalm 10.1. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Do you feel like God's afar off? Do you feel like God's hiding in times of trouble? Or what about Psalm 13? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Having sorrow in my heart daily. Do we not feel like sometimes this is what you're in right now? You are in that silent Saturday. You are in that part of the tomb. of Where there's weeping, sorrow, sadness, confusion. You feel forsaken. You feel like God has left you. Maybe it's a physical issue. It's an emotional issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a financial issue. It's a marriage issue. And you just feel completely, utterly forsaken. Having sorrow in your heart daily. Then you're at silent Saturday. But you've got to remember... The tomb is empty. You've got to remember that death has been defeated. That is why, once again, 1 Corinthians, we have victory in Jesus. Oh, death, where is your sin? So, therefore, whatever health issue, financial issue, emotional issue, job issue, parenting issue, marriage issue, life issue. I just go look at the tomb and I see the tomb is empty. And I say, God, you defeated death. You defeated death. If you can defeat death, that means whatever I'm facing today, you can get me through. Lord, remove the burden off my shoulder or give me the shoulder to carry it. Because you have proven you can defeat death. The biggest enemy we face is death. And you've proven you can defeat that. So therefore, Lord, the tomb is empty. Let me just keep stressing that point. The grave in the garden is empty. We've gone from Gethsemane being crushed to Gabbatha being judged to Golgotha being dead to the grave, in the garden now being empty, which takes us to the most important one is glory from Gethsemane to glory. Think that through Gethsemane to glory. Romans 6, 4 says this. You don't need to turn there. But I love how simple and straightforward it is. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we should also walk in newness of life. He was raised from the dead by the glory of the of the Father, First Timothy three sixteen. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. So Romans six, raised in glory. First Timothy three, received in glory. But this is where it gets even better. Luke twenty one twenty seven. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. He is now going to return in glory. Now just, just, just follow along with me on this. Gethsemane crushed. Gabbatha judged. Golgotha died. Grave in the garden. Dead but then rose and now glory. Raised in glory, Romans 6. Received in glory, 1 Timothy 3. Returning in glory, Luke 21. That's what makes this day so amazing. That's why we're going to celebrate communion here in a second. But before we do that, I have to share this part of it. Raised in glory... Received in glory. Returning in glory. Why is he returning? Acts 17.31 says this. Because he has appointed a day. On which he will judge the world in righteousness. By the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance to this all. By raising him from the dead. See by Christ being risen from the dead. It also shows. That Christ now has the authority to judge. Since he defeated death raised in glory received in glory returning in glory he now has the right to judge that's what acts 17:31 is telling me he's going to come judge the world in righteousness this is the other part of resurrection sunday that we have to mention The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I want to make sure you know that the gift of God is eternal life, but I also want you to know that the word gospel means good news. The good news is that the tomb is empty, Christ is one, death is defeated, he's returning in glory. But to tell you the good news, I also got to tell you the bad news. The bad news is this. We need to, in our sin, turn to Him for forgiveness. We need to stop and say that I am destined for hell because I've already established we can't do enough good. My thoughts, my actions, my words, I am evil and sinful in word, action, and deed, and thought. I need forgiveness. I need the sinless man to pay for my sinful sins. And He is going to return in glory. Revelation 19. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. We just talked about that in Act 17. A righteous judging. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with the robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen and white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he. He himself will rule them with rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is going to return in glory to judge king of kings lord of lords and i am free from that judgment because now at this time i have confessed who jesus christ is i believe that he died on the cross for my sins and i believe that and i'm saved by his grace and mercy not by anything i've done but by my heart saying lord i believe this and i believe this is true romans 10 9 and 10 if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you shall be saved believe on the lord jesus christ and you shall be saved That's the truth of it. And I have to ask you right now, have you made that decision? Because he went from, once again, Gethsemane to Gabbatha to Golgotha to the grave, but to glory. And we need to be ready for this. Now, if you want that salvation, today is the day of salvation. There's no special prayer. There's no magic thing you have to do. It's where you stop and you realize, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you. And the only way my sin can be paid for is through you on the cross. And I believe that. Remember, the word believe does not mean just acknowledge that it's true. The word believe means you place your faith, your trust, your hope, you place everything in it. Everything in it. Let me repeat to you again, I already quoted it, Romans 10, 9 to 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's what today is. Today is the day of salvation. If that's what you want, you just need to stop right here, right now and say, Lord, that's what I want. I believe, I follow, I choose you. Take my sin. Take my shame. Lord, I choose you and I live for you now. Amen to that. If that's something you have done, contact me. i want to get some stuff in your hands. If that's something you've done and you're watching on Facebook right now, post that. Let the body of Christ rejoice with you. Because today is the resurrection. Now at this time, we get to do communion. And if you have the elements of communion at home, love to have you join us with this. You know, this is such a unique season, and I've been Dawn and I've been talking a lot about it, and I've been making little notes, just what do I want to see different when this season's over? Because this has really opened up a lot of doors of ministry. Just things are different. And what's it going to be like when this is done? And I'm a type of guy that I don't mind change. I think change can be exciting to see what the Lord's done, as long as the gospel is going forward. But I will say this: as longer this goes on, the more I miss. Just the body of Christ. And here we are getting ready to do communion. And it's it's me up here. Lias is up in the sound room. And you know he's got some of his bread and cup. And I got mine. And I hope you guys do it, have it at home. There is a beauty in the body of Christ coming together. Right now my mind goes back to those prayer room meetings. That we've had back in room 6. Where we just circle up. And worship. And do communion. And I look forward to the body of Christ coming together again. But for right here, right now, communion is a time for us to remember. That's the whole point of this, is to remember what he did. And that's what we want to do right now, is to remember. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And we had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. See, guys, till he comes. Raised in glory, received in glory, returning in glory. He's going to come back. It also tells us right here, Let a man examine himself. Let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. There's a time of of self-reflection, there's a time of confession before we get into communion. You know, part of prayer is also confession. You know, a couple Sundays ago we put the uh, acronyms up there on different types of prayer. And there's a time of praising God there's a time of asking God there's a time of thanksgiving there's also should be a time of confession where you stop and you say Lord bring to light these things I think what it says in Psalm 139 search me and try me O Lord Lord reveal to me you know we've gone through some of these Psalms recently where the Psalmist was saying Lord show me am I right it's so easy to sit here and with kids and marriage and church and ministry and life and jobs to say well of course I'm right am I Lord, I want to come to you now and examine me, Lord. What do I need to work on? I want to be more like you. And right now is the time to do that. Let's just quietly go to the Lord. Lord, this is a time of self-examination. This is a time, Lord, of search us and try us. See if there's any anxiety and iniquity in us and lead us into the way of everlasting. Prepare our heart, Lord. Lord, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? You said, I alone know the heart. Get to the depth and ugliness and blackness of our heart right now. And show us those things that we've hidden in the closet of life that need to come out. Lord let it really be for you and all that we say and do let it be for you in your name I encourage you to make communion a regular part of your family that's something we do at home and um, on on Friday actually you know we stopped at 3 o'clock and did communion and just talked about Uh, the sky going dark just to remember that um you know and and for you men at home great time to be that leader just to stop and say we're going to get the juice around we're going to get this around don't don't overthink it you know what i mean there's not the special juice it's not the special whatever dawn makes her own matzo bread here and it's a real neat blessing to do and we've also purchased as a church the uh Personal communion cups with the wafer in it. And if anybody needs some of those, we'll get those dropped off to your house. we want to do whatever we can to take you deeper in your walk with Christ. But it's a beautiful time just to come together as a family. And just to stop and say, Lord, I want to do this. So I just want you to take right now, if you will. Take the cup. Take the bread. Remember what he said in 24. Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 25, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, new testament in my blood. Let's do as often as you drink in remembrance I mean, Let's remember. And don't skip over 24. He had given thanks. He was giving thanks. The day before he was put on the cross, he was giving thanks. His body was broken. The punishment. And that's what we're here to remember. 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's do that. Lord as we hold this in our hands we think of your body that was broken broken for us you died so we can live let us remember that let us eat this cup that we hold Lord represents your blood the blood that was shed for us We do this in remembrance of you. Let us drink. Lord, you are good. And do good. From Gethsemane to glory. Let us remember that. Guys, let's be practical. Let's be safe out there. Let's be prayerful. But let's be purposeful. This is a crazy season, but the amount of fruit that's out there potentially for the Lord, for God's glory, remember that. If you need anything, contact us. We want to minister. We want to represent Jesus. If you know somebody that can be ministered to, let us know. We want to represent Jesus to them. Prayer call today at 3 o'clock. Information should be on the Facebook page. Pat will put that up there. Be blessed. Have a blessed Resurrection Sunday. And to God be the glory in all ways and all things. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. From Gethsemane to glory, we thank you. You are good and do good. And coming to mind right now, Lord, I just think of um, little Danny Hami. Just your hand of health to be upon him. Strength for Orshin Zoli. Lord, I just think of Rochelle Reedy. I saw her name come across the prayer line as well, too. Your hand of health to be upon her. Lord, you are good and do good. Thank you, Lord, for your returning glory in your name. Amen. You guys have a good week and God bless.